Great to see you this morning. How are you? Great. That was a kind of half a response. <laughs> Excellent. Well, you get a two-parter this morning. You get a bit of me and you get a bit of Mike, who I'll introduce to you a bit later, who's coming up to speak about Alpha and uh, all that is happening. We've been running, as you know, and as somebody's already mentioned today, can you stick the first slide up for me, our recent series called More. We've been exploring what it is to experience more of God's presence, more of God's love, more of God's power in our lives. And we've been talking about how we don't just have to ask for that or wait for that or cry out for that, but actually there's a way in which we can actively step in to that. And that's what we've been looking at. I hope it's been helpful I hope it's been challenging, um, and certainly God has been doing things. And we kind of finished that series last week with this healing and encounter service, and we've already heard stories of what God has been doing. And we're, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just thrilled, thrilled that people are coming to our church to meet with God, especially people who, for whom that's kind of a, a new experience, people who haven't necessarily experienced God in their lives before. It is an incredible privilege to pray for and pray with people who aren't used to coming to God and enca- coming to church and encountering God in their lives. And I, last week in the evening, I prayed with a guy who'd not been to this church before. I don't think he'd been to any church for a long time. He certainly hadn't ever been to a church like ours. And um, even before we got down to praying for the things that he came to ask us to pray about, he was just he was pretty much virtually in tears as he just told me of his experience coming to church that evening. Um, just of being welcomed and then of experiencing the worship in the way that we did and the talk and, and, and all of that. It was really moving. And I know that some of you brought friends last week to come and experience the more of God. And for those of you who brought friends, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for taking the risk. Um, but I also want to ask this question. How many of you actually invited someone, whether or not they came, is, is not the question. How many of you actually invited someone to come to our Healing and Encounter service last week? Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for raising your hands. Thank you for inviting them. Because even more exciting than the number of people who came was the number of people who were invited. And the inviting part is really important. It's something I've been thinking a lot about lately. Inviting. You see, we're just not going to see the kingdom of God impact on the people and the communities around us unless we can find a way of inviting people to step into that. You know, that we know that as a church, as soon as you step through the door, we work very hard and we know that we can provide a great welcome. We know that once people come here, we can help them to meet with God. But for many, many people, the challenge is getting over that first barrier, getting over the doorstep, coming to church in the first place. That's not just a physical barrier, although it is for some people, geographical, but it's cultural. And one of the things that we can do in partnership with God is to simply work out how we can better extend an invitation to people. By the way, we're not responsible for whether the person says yes or no to our invitation. We're not responsible for their response. That's God's bit. We can't force anyone to follow Jesus. We certainly can't force anyone to make decisions about their lives. We're not Bible bashers, but we can extend an invitation And say there is something that we've experienced that we would love you to come and experience too. We can help people get the first stage. And our job is to do the inviting at the prompt of God. And his job is to look after whether or not they actually come. I thought a lot about this recently. I was listening to somebody talk about this. Um, I'm I'm not sure that we're very good at this as a church. I'm certainly sure that I'm not. 
But I do think it's something God is inviting us to become better at. So in January, we're going to take a look at that um, in, a sort of, in a series, just kind of how we might grow in the area of inviting. Just to give you one stat that I heard this week. And the stat was this, around 80% of Christians have no intention of inviting anyone to come to church. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. Even if it's not true, there's a fair degree of us who find inviting very hard. We're going to come and look at that in the new year, but I want to sort of specifically just, I want to preempt that a bit this morning, introduce the topic, and I also want to set up a context for why it is that we're um, hosting the first, not the first time in, in, a, in a couple of years at least, um, an alpha course that we're starting in January, which Mike is going to tell you about. Brand new, exciting alpha course. Anyway, back in September, I spent a couple of weeks talking about this phrase, invest and invite. I don't know if you remember this. And I talked specifically about three invitations that Jesus issued. The invitations of Jesus were to come and rest, to come and follow, and to come and live. He said in Matthew 28, Come to me if you're weary and heavy laden or burdened, and I will give you rest. Take take my yoke. I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You see, Jesus' invitation comes in stages, and he is not pushy. He says, come and find rest. Some of the people who came here last week came to find rest for their souls. That's the phrase that the Bible uses. Certainly people I spoke to over the past few weeks have been experiencing that. And maybe you're here today, And you haven't necessarily made a decision to follow Jesus, but you just know that there's something that happens when you come here that's good. Maybe you're experiencing the peace and presence of Jesus, which is another way of talking about rest, his rest. His invitation is a good invitation. Come and rest. And his follow-up invitations are pretty interesting too. He says, he doesn't make demands on us, he doesn't make commands on us. He says, Come and learn. Come and follow. Become my disciple. Explore what it is to take on board my values and see how that works for your life. Try it. And his third invitation is just come and dwell in the space that I dwell in. Come and live close to me. (laughs) In the words of take that, stay close to me. Jesus says if we stay close to him, he stays close to us. And all that that experiencing, all that means, his peace and his presence. And these invitations from Jesus, they're open to every single person. And our job as a church is to extend the invitation of Jesus to those around us. Those of us who have already experienced that for ourselves are there to extend that invitation to others. The truth is, we just, we, it's, not, it's not in Jesus' teaching that we get to keep this to ourselves. I've mentioned this once before, but about a year or two ago, somebody told me about a parking space in Winchester where you can go and it's absolutely free. You can get two hours free and you pretty much always guarantee the space there because not that many people know about it. Now in the midst of Christmas traffic parking chaos in Winchester, which happens about this time every year, I have a moral dilemma. And my moral dilemma is, am I going to tell you about this free space that somebody told me about, or am I just going to keep it to myself? You're laughing. It's a proper dilemma for me, I tell you. Unlike the limited parking spaces in Winchester, Jesus is not limited. 
But sometimes we act as though he is. And as though we'd want to keep it to ourselves. So there's a challenge for us to extend this invitation. We've already sung this morning. We sung that line this morning. Lead us in your love to those around us. I love that song, that Build My Life song. I'll build my life on you, but part of that is for you to lead me to those around. So, let's look at the Bible together. I'm going to take a passage from John chapter 1. If you've got a Bible, you can turn it up and follow it, but I've got the, most of it there. Um, John chapter 1, verses 35 to 42. And I'm just going to read this, uh, these few verses to you. This is right at the story, right at the start of the story of the Gospel of John, where he's telling the story of Jesus. And this is the part where he basically calls his disciples to come. I'll read it to you first, then I'll tell you a bit about the context, and then just a couple of thoughts from it. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, this is, that's John the Baptist. There's two Johns in this. There's the John who wrote the story, and then there's John the Baptist. Okay, this is John the Baptist he's talking about there. The next day, John the Baptist was there again with two of his disciples. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked them, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and they saw where he was staying and they spent the day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which translated means Peter. It's a pretty straightforward story. And really, I just want to focus on the last two or three verses. But just by way of a little bit of backstory for this, John the Baptist... He's already started a preaching ministry where he's calling people to repent of their sins and he's baptizing them with water. And he's gathered a little band of followers. He's a pretty interesting guy, John. He's pretty out there. And um, he's, in the, he's been questioned by the Jewish leaders, actually. Who are you? And they say, are you the Messiah that we've been waiting for? And John says to them, no, I'm not the Messiah. This is in verse 19, verse 20. They say, well, who are you? Are you Elijah? Are you a prophet? No. Then who are you? And John replies with the words from the prophet Isaiah, which say, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord. In other words, I am the guy who's come to tell you that the Messiah is coming. I am the guy to come to make you, get you prepared. Now, repent of your sins and get your life sorted out with God because something's going to happen. That's who John is. He says, I baptise with water, but there's somebody else who's going to come who's going to do more than that. And the next passage before this one is where John then talks to his followers. And it says he testifies about Jesus. This is verse 29. He says, look, he sees Jesus coming. He knows who Jesus is because Jesus is his cousin, actually. But Jesus hadn't started his ministry. He's kind of not public yet. John looks at him and says, look, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's quoting again from the Old Testament. It's his way of saying... This is the guy. I'm not the guy. He's the guy. 
This is the one I meant. He says, when I said a man is going to come after me who has surpassed me because he was before me. I told you John was a bit out there. I think he liked to talk in mystical riddles. Anyway, he says that he then tells this story. He says, you know, I was baptizing this guy like I baptize everybody in the river, except when I baptized this guy, something incredible happened and the Holy Spirit came down like a dove and a voice from heaven shouted, this is my son. This is the guy. I'm telling you guys, it's not me, it's him. And that leads us up to the point where we got to. And by the way, just one other thing. All of these people have been waiting for three or four hundred years for some kind of Messiah to come. They've read, the, they've read their Bible, what the, the Old Testament, the Jewish scriptures. They've read the prophets and their understanding is that God is going to do something. And there is somebody coming who can rescue and save and help. And right now they're also under the kosh politically because they've got the Romans occupying their land. And so these people are looking for some answers. They're looking for answers in life. And so by verse, by verse 35, John's followers, particularly the ones who are following him, are like hanging on his every word and they're ready to hear some good news. And as soon as they see Jesus again the next day and John says, hey, you know I told you about the guy, that guy that I pointed out yesterday? There he is again. Look, he says, the Lamb of God. And they go, okay, he's the guy. We got your message, John, not you, him. And they immediately turn and start following him. And these two disciples, one of them we know is called Andrew, and the other one we don't know what his name is. He's not named. It's probably most likely that he is the other John, the John who wrote the gospel, who ends up becoming one of Jesus' closest followers and friends. But he hardly ever refers to himself by name. Anyway, they're looking for this Messiah and they first, their first encounter with Jesus, as soon as they get the chance to follow him, it's like, this is interesting. There's something going to happen here. And so they encounter Jesus for themselves and they start following him and he turns around and says, well, what do you want? I don't know how he said it. What do you want? What do you want? What do you want? I don't know. They said, we, we, they said where are you staying? What a funny question. I, I think what they really meant is, we want to find out more about you. And they called him rabbi or teacher, which is a mark of respect for somebody that you've never met. It's kind of basically like saying, we want what you've got. We want to learn from you. What would it look like to follow you? How can we learn? We're looking for someone with answers. We're looking for someone who can explain the meaning of life. Someone who can say why it is that we were put on this earth. Somebody who can help us understand really who we are, what our identity is, what our significance is. Do you know anybody who's asking those kinds of questions? We're looking for answers. And Jesus says, oh okay, well why don't you just come and see where I'm staying and hang out with me and we'll see what happens. And the rest of it isn't documented. What happened that day? I have no clue. Except that by the time that they got to the end of that day, they clearly decided that this was the guy and that they were going to follow him because we read in the story of the gospel about how they spent the next three years following Jesus around. So for them, this was the first day of something really new and radical. And this is the bit I want to focus on this morning. Having spent a few hours with Jesus, Andrew and the other disciples clearly made up their mind, this is somebody worth following. And what was the first action? The first action that Andrew took was to go and get someone else and invite them to the party. It says that he took it, he went, verse 40, 
Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who followed Jesus. And the first thing he did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah. And he brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looks at the brother, Simon, and says, you're Simon, but I'm going to call you Peter. Which is a bit of a weird thing itself. Just some thoughts before Mike comes and tells us about Alpha. There are four things that happened around this time after Andrew met Jesus. Number one, relationship happened. There was already relationship going on. In Andrew's case, he's obviously close to his brother, perhaps because they've been on a journey together. But for whatever reason, Simon, the brother, wasn't there on that day when Andrew first met Jesus. We're all in relationship with people who haven't yet met Jesus. God has put us all in communities through work or college or school or hobbies and we are called to invest in genuine relationships there. Not so that people become, can become sort of some sort of secret evangelism project, but because we want to be as genuine as we can be in the places where God's put us. Now, there will be people that we click with, and there will be people that we don't click with. That's fine. But God has put us around people who Jesus later calls people of peace. People who are happy to receive us into their lives and their community. People for whom, as we grow together, we enrich their lives and they enrich ours. People where it's possible for us to authentically share and live out the life of Jesus. Some of those people might even be family. In Andrew's case, it was. And some of us, many of us, are already investing in relationships. The second thing that happened was some kind of witness. Again, we don't have much detail here, but it's pretty clear that Andrew told his brother in no uncertain terms what he had discovered. We have found the Christ. You know, we've been looking for that guy who has all the answers. This is him. That quest we've been on. This is the, re- this is the result. I found something great. I want to share it. You know, we had some people who um, joined our choir. Four of them. There was a mum and two daughters and the daughter's friend. And they all came en masse. And they were really enthusiastic. And one of them had seen us sing at a school concert. And when they came, they said, you know what? We just love to sing. And in fact, we so love to sing together that we go to karaoke nights just to sing. And I'm thinking, I can't imagine that. But anyway, whatever. They just, we love it. We've been looking for something like this for ages. And when one of us heard about you, we had to tell our three friends. And we all came en masse. There was just an excitement about it. It's natural to share good news. Number three, there was an invitation. Andrew brought his brother Simon to Jesus. He had enough relationship invested with him that he said, hey, there was trust there. And when he said, you should come and meet this guy, obviously he did. Invitation is a key stage in this process. And with us and our friends, there may be a number of reasons why we don't feel confident or able to invite people to come to Jesus. Perhaps, I don't know, we're just embarrassed. I don't know, we'll look at that in in the new year. And people don't have to come to church to experience Jesus. Of course, they can experience his love and power anywhere. We're all carriers of God's presence. But there's a key around inviting, the inviting part. And as I said at the beginning, the yes or the no, that's not our responsibility. That's up to God. But when he prompts us to say, hey, what about this person? Our our opportunity, our job is to go and invite them. And as a church, we try and make that as easy as possible. We try and make sign-up, we try and make advertisements, events, and all of that as easy as possible. And the last thing is encounter. Because Jesus spoke into Simon, who we now know as Simon Peter, or mainly as Peter. He spoke right into his life. Having brought his brother to meet Jesus for himself, Andrew then watched Jesus have this incredible encounter 
with Simon, who he called Peter, renamed him. He says, you're like a rock. And actually he said later, on this rock I'm going to build my church. Let me read you the profile in the ESV study Bible for Peter. Peter and his brother Andrew were from the city of Bethsaida. The two fishermen were the first disciples called to Jesus and they immediately left everything to follow him. Jesus gave Simon the the name Cephas or Peter, which means rock. Peter, James and John became the close inner circle among the twelve disciples. Always listed first among the twelve, Peter served as their spokesman and leader. He was with Jesus during the key events of his ministry. He was one of Jesus' most outspoken and passionate followers. There were times that enthusiasm was misplaced and needed a word of correction. Peter preached boldly at Pentecost. He was arrested multiple times and even imprisoned for preaching in the name of Jesus. But he remained faithful, wrote two New Testament letters that bear his name and died as a martyr in Rome. And all of that started on the day that his brother invited him to come and meet Jesus. Mike, why don't you come and tell us about Alpha, because I've gone on a little bit too long already. Now, for those of you who don't know, this is Mike, Mike Stafford-Curtis. Mike and Susie have been part of this church since last summer, but they've been to tons of vineyard churches before that. And Mike and Susie are leading a fantastic and brilliant two vineyard churches before that. It feels like tons. These guys are leading... Our brand new Alpha course, which is launching in January. Now, listen, we've got a problem, as Joe was alluding to earlier. The problem is that Christmas is coming up, but if we don't tell you about the stuff that's happening in January, it won't happen. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? So we're giving you a heads up now for January, fully mindful of the fact that there are things happening in December too, but we just want to kind of get it out there. Mike, tell us about what's happening. Bro, thank you. Um, well, I will. I've, firstly, I've got a little video to to show um yeah so if you watch that and then i'll talk my friend of mine helen my best friend my friend called invited me to triumph they handed me a invitation it was just a random invitation and i said like why not why not let's try it why not let's go i found like a like a really awesome community of people they helped me find who i was just by listening Alpha helped me in the knowing of God. Empecé a entender que el amor es de muchas maneras. I just knew. I was a different person from that moment on. I knew I had purpose. I, I felt really comfortable and like starting to invite my friends. I've seen Alpha really impact people that I work with. I would definitely encourage people to get involved. It's one of the coolest things I've ever experienced. It all turned out to be life-changing. So, yeah, um, Alpha is an amazing space. Uh, if we can get the next slide up. Do I have a clicky thing? I don't know. I do. Oh, the end button. Oh, cool. Yes, yeah, so Alpha is an amazing space, like it says there, to explore. To explore life, uh, the, you know, the meaning of life, uh, the idea of faith. Um, and it's called Alpha because it's the beginning. It's the starting point for a lot of people. Um, to give you an example, a story uh, from my own experience of Alpha, I met a guy... Oh, it was about 10 years ago now. Um, I was hosting an alpha table, um, and this guy was called Steve. Um, and he actually he ended up getting pinched by Adam Blundy over there for his alpha table, which is fine. I'm not bitter about that at all 10 years later. Um, <laughs> but he was, he was a brilliant guy. Um, he'd, he'd, kind of, he'd always thought that there, there was a God, um, but it never really kind of connected with him. It never really impacted his life. Um, certainly, he, he didn't 
really understand the idea of like the Holy Spirit and that, that that was something that he could experience. And so he came along to this Alpha course just with lots of questions. He's a very intellectual chap. He just kind of queried everything. He was an engineer. Um, and actually his job was uh, at that time building distilleries um, where he spent some of his time working up in Scotland. Um, and he, and he designed um, and built distilleries uh, with a company, you know, making whiskey. Um, fast forward, during that Alpha course, he had... Um, you know, an encounter with the Holy Spirit, and it changed his life. Um, and he started coming to church. He ended up in the life group that I was leading uh, after a while. And God just started working in him, started doing things with him over the course of the next few years. And he, it prompted him to tweak what he was doing with his life. Um, he went and uh, did some extra qualifications to his engineering degree um, so that he could then, he now works in Africa with a company that does um, water treatment um, and works uh, with uh, kind of uh, creating clean water. So he's got, he's, you know, God has, has done things with him over this, you know, a bit like Simon Peter, but you know, with whiskey and water, um, <laughs> you know, and, but like, and also that's brought him immense satisfaction um, and kind of a, a real meaning to, to his work and stuff. But that's just an example of a guy where Alpha was the beginning for him. You know, there he was, he found a space where he could just chat and discuss and think. And ultimately through that, he met Jesus and, and that, that had, you know, then massive, um, a massive impact on his life. Um, so, we're starting off with uh, a launch party on the 20th of January. Um, stick, like, I'm going to totally steal Joe's idea here. Um, I'm going to throw a couple of dates at you. If, in fact, not even if, just put them in your phone. You know, you can ignore them later. Put them in your phone. Um, <coughs> the 20th of January, Saturday night, is. Um, is a launch party. It's going to be amazing. And it's a brilliant thing to invite people to. Okay, because we're, there's going to be f- free food. That's it. That's it. Done. You know, hey, do you want to come to this thing? There's free food. Great. That's your invitation right there. But also music, uh, a guest speaker, um, alcohol. Like, that is a thing we have got. Because people outside of church, when they come to a party, you know, they occasionally like to have a drink. So we've got drink. <gasps> Uh, you know uh, those kind of things, and we can show them how to drink responsibly. It's very exciting. Um, so we're going to do this. It's going to be amazing. Um, my one tip, and this is a tip. This is a a tip from my own life that I can give to you when inviting people to this party, because you will be inviting people to this party. Um, is don't lie to them about the bit where there is going to be like a 20-minute talk, uh, the topic of which is like, is there more to life than this, to to what we can see and what's in front of us? Okay, that is part of it. I know this because when I was 16, my friend, um, one of my best friends at the time was a Christian, and he invited me along to a a thing. Um, It was a youth alpha, it turned out to be, and there was free food and stuff. He just invited me to, oh, hey, come along, some other friends are coming along, there's some free food, and he stopped there. And he didn't mention like the... The fact that there was, like, in, the, in this case, a video about some kind of God stuff. And, like, I got to the door and saw that there was that stuff, and I just ran. I didn't, I didn't even get the free food, um, because I wasn't ready for that. I, at that point in my life as a 16-year-old, I didn't really want to engage with that. Um, so just be open and honest about it. Like, that is part of the event, but there is so much in that event. It is going to be real fun and an amazing opportunity to kind of hear some stuff that will just spark conversation, spark interaction, and 
and really we'll go from there. And then at that event, at that launch party, I can do the bit, because I'll be there at the front, uh, telling people about the course the next few Mondays and, and invite people to that there, if that seems too big and scary um, for, for you guys to do with your friends. Okay, Just get them to that launch party, get them in the door, I'll lock the door, and then we can go from there. So... For that, they're going to be the, the, we've got these flyers. At the end of this, I'm going to be forcing these in your hands at the door so you can take them home and think about who you're going to invite. Okay? Um, so if you're in that space now where you're thinking, oh, actually, maybe I could, maybe I'll, I could invite someone, have a few flyers and think about that. Equally, if you're here now going, oh, actually, I'd really like to go to this, this could be perfect for me, take a flyer, put it in the diary. We'd love to have you there. Um, purely like, to make sure we've got enough food. If you know that definitely you're going to come, uh, there's a little bit about emailing alpha at winvin.org.uk there, just to make sure that we've got enough for everyone to have a fantastic time. Um, so then the alpha course starts, and we talk about topics. So on Monday nights, for the next kind of eight nights after that, we talk about things like, you know, who is Jesus? Um, why did Jesus die? Um, how and, and what and why would I pray? Um, what's the Holy Spirit? Um, then we, like later on, like, does God heal? Which, in case you didn't realize earlier, the answer is yes. Um, but, you know, we, we talk through those things. We don't actually, that's a really bad example of how we don't come with the answers. We, we provide a, a space uh, to discuss this. Um, and like Nigel said earlier, it's not about us convincing people. It's not about us forcing people to believe something or, you know, just um, going, believe in God, ah, he's real. You know, we just invite and God shows up. And isn't that easy? Isn't that easy? That seems easy to me. Um, so to kind of warm up for that, like if you're going to go to the gym and lift, you know, a 100 kilogram weight, you need to do just a couple of little weights first. So think of the next couple of weeks, Christmas events. They're your warm-up stretches for your inviting muscles. You've got the carol service. That's like five reps with the, the little dumbbells there. You can do that. Little invitation. Oh, what's that? We've got the nativity. I'm, I've, we've invited uh, our next-door neighbours to the nativity. They've got a little girl similar age to ours. So we've invited them along to that. We've invited my parents along because, um, again, they don't they don't believe in God, so we've invited them along to that. That's, and that's just us warming up for the Alpha course in January. Um, so do, do that as a little practice, as a little test, testing the waters, dipping your toe in for the Christmas events. It's really easy for Christmas events, you know, because everyone likes Christmas, mostly. Um, <laughs> every, everyone does, surely. Um, so so that's, that's the Alpha course in a nutshell. A couple of other things, because I'm aware that I've got no time left. Um, Thank you, Nigel. Uh, um, we need you. Like I've already said about inviting, but if you're part of this church, if you're on board with this, and quite frankly, why wouldn't you be? Um, we need you to, to invite people. Otherwise, it's going to be me and a mariachi band at the launch party, and that is going to be weird. So please invite people. I, you know, if it gets to January 19th and you haven't invited someone, just start accosting strangers in the street, you know. Um, 
But we also need people behind the scenes to kind of to set it up, to make it look beautiful. I've seen how this place can look incredible. Um, and we want to show just how radically hospitable we can be. Um, so we need people for those kind of things. We need people like the wonderful AV guys at the back that make sure that we can hear everything. Um, yeah. Look at them. They're like, oh, what? Um, but we need people to volunteer for those kind of things. Um, we need people to cook food. I've been, like, we've only been here a few months. I've already been at events where the food that's been put on here has been amazing. Um, and we need to show that people that from outside of this place are so welcome. And we want to just give them our best and invite them to discuss what they think about belief and faith and God and Jesus. And then, of course, the best thing to do is tidy up at the end. Like, isn't that the fun bit? Yeah? Yeah, we need people for that too. Someone in there is going, yeah, that is the fun bit. I like the tidying up. Everything looks neat. Um, so if that's you, come. you can either come and speak to me directly on any of those. Um, or, again, ping an email. Oh, it's on the next slide. Ping an email to alpha at winvin.org.uk if you want to sign up for anything. Um, last bit from me is the dates. Um, this will all... Be repeated ad infinitum uh, over the next few weeks. Um, but those are the dates. That's when we're doing everything. Um, you can see it's a launch party. Then it's seven consecutive Mondays, bar a break for half term, um, and a a day away, which is the like Holy Spirit um, day, which is always fun, always exciting. Um, and what I want you to do, sorry, I am trying to really rush through this. I know I'm running over. Particularly if you're, oh no, wait, wait. Uh, that's on that slide. Um, if you're in a life group, if you're a life group leader, and you think, oh, actually, yeah, we could do this. We could be a life group that helps out and uh, offers to just do all the serving in one of these evenings, then great, get in touch. If you're in a life group and your life group leader's not thinking that, tell them, hey, we could just go along to one of these things and just wash out all the serving and do that. And what a great opportunity to serve others and grow as a life group together um, in community and have a wonderful time. So have a think about that. Put these things in your diary um, and speak to me. Uh, email alpha at Wimvin. And lastly, you'll be seeing a few of these over the next couple of weeks. This is like a two-minute video. I'm running over. I'm really sorry. Um, uh, these are stories of people, real-life stories of people that have been impacted by Alpha. We'll be seeing one of these a week for the next kind of five or six weeks. I just want you to think, imagine someone in your life that doesn't know Jesus. Um, and imagine how amazing it would be if this story that you see here was rewritten for your friend, for your family member, for your colleague. Um, right, that's it from me. Has that got sound? My job requires me to meet and interview people and artists from around the world. You know, when I talk on radio, I bring joy to others. That really satisfies me. It makes me really happy. But there are also days where I also have to put on a smile and just go to work. So that's very, very challenging. I was never a churchgoer. In fact, I, I have an aunt uh, who is a Christian and she would invite me to church all the time. And 
I would just fight with her and say, "No, I don't want to go. Stop forcing me. I just want to go. What? I don't want to go to church. Stop it." It was a tough year at that point of my life, and、uh, a friend invited me via Facebook trying Alpha, and I wasn't sure what it was. You know, it was just a random invitation. I got curious, so I went for it. I went with my friend who invited me, and when I got there, I actually saw a lot more other familiar faces, like a lot of mutual friends. I'm like, hey! So it was like a really nice get together. But at the same time, it was also where I actually got to clear my doubts about. Whatever questions I had about faith, religion, Christianity, it was like a safe place where I could just ask and just say it, say it out loud, like whatever I had to say. After going to Alpha, I felt like okay, it it all makes sense for me. It, it like the dots started to connect, and I just I just knew, I just knew. So many ways, God God has changed. The way I, I look at my career, the way I look at life, so differently. I meet people who are probably more luxurious.、Um, they probably are doing things that I wish I could do too. But with God in my life, I feel like I'm always enough. Can you give、uh, Mike a round of applause for his fantastic、um, talk? And、um, really, just、uh, why don't we stand together? Here's the challenge, guys. The challenge is: who is the Holy Spirit talking to us about in terms of inviting? Whether that's inviting to the men's curry night that's happening tomorrow, whether it's inviting to the carol service next Sunday night. Remember, by the way, there's no service in the morning next week. Whether it's inviting to one of the other Christmas services, the Nativity, or whether it's inviting to the Alpha launch, and by the way, just to make it really clear, we have a, around about thirty spaces for people to come on Alpha for guests. We have around thirty spaces, and、um, we're not expecting everybody who comes to the launch party to necessarily want to come、uh, to the Alpha course, but we just want to get as many people there as possible because you know you throw the net wide and then you see who God wants to bring. So there's no.、Um, And, and the other thing is, I don't. I hope you pick this up. But Mike was joking when he said he was going to lock the doors. <laughs> We're not going to lock the doors. But we do just want to know that there are. We, we want to just ask God, who is it that you want us to talk talk to, and pop an invitation through to, and that might make that might take an intentional minute or two or intentional conversation from us, that might mean a step out of our comfort zone, but the Lord is big enough for that. Because remember, his, whether people say yes or no, is not our responsibility. So, Holy Spirit, would you come and just show us? And just as we're reflecting and in this space right now, before we move on from here, Lord, would you just prompt us and show us who are the people who need peace, fulfilment, identity? Who are the people whose lives? Could be radically changed if they met Jesus. And who are the people that God's putting in our lives that we might be able to extend an invitation to? Holy Spirit, would you show us who that is? Because we are all about.